Day. The final word daily brought to you by Westfield London and Westfield Stratford City. More extra, less ordinary. Adam Collins with you. Cam Ponsonby with me. He's at Hyderabad. He's going to sum up a staggering day to complete this first test match in the space of 30 seconds. Good luck. Adam, it was the match of many miracles. Had it just been the comeback from a 190-run deficit, it would have been amazing. Had it just been the fact it was India losing their fourth match in just 40, in 46 home test matches, it would have been amazing. Had it just been a context as close and exciting, it would have been amazing. It was all three factors combining together to create one of the great modern test matches, a match that everyone who's been working on it has been talking about in the years they've been watching, covering as a cricket, as a professional or a fan, it's up there with the very best. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here. Can't wait to talk about it more. So all up, the victory margins, 28 runs. Another close win for England. They have a habit of doing this. They bowl at India for 202 after setting them 231 runs for victory. They added 104 runs in the opening session today to their overnight tally, taking that to 420. Light it up. Ollie Pope, 196 of the best and gets out um, with a reverse slap. It's meant to be something like that. They're the numbers, but this is kind of one of those days, I think, Cam, where we just should just talk about our feelings a little bit to start the show. Like, we don't need to convince anyone who's watching or listening to this that Test cricket is different, that it hits different because of the build-up, the emotional investment over four or five days or whatever it works out to be. The payoff is so substantial, but we should talk about that more often. With Test cricket in the gun at the moment, commercially in various different parts of the world, all of the challenges that Test cricket faces outside of, say, the old big three, or especially India, Australia and England. We need days like today to celebrate it. A 28-run margin at Hyderabad, an eight-run margin at the Gabba. Two blokes on debut taking seventhers from nowhere to win the test for their respective nations. Uh, the fact that there's, it, it is such a high bar to beat Australia at Australia at the Gabba only happened twice since 1988-89. And in the case of beating India in India, as you say now, four times over the last 12 years or whatever it works out to be, this is an extraordinary day, and we should talk about that. We should explain and remind each other, if nothing else, that we are so fortunate to have uh, this as the pinnacle of the sport. And today was such a great example of that. Um, a come-from-behind victory like we've rarely seen for England there. The, the biggest margin on a first innings lead that's been overturned in India before is 64 runs before today. Now it's 190. They've smashed that record, England. The belief and the purpose they showed in their second innings, principally due to Ollie Pope, and then to have that group, that unheralded attack, that inexperienced attack, find a way to make it work without their main spinner, Jack Leach, who barely bowled. Did play his role, but barely bowled. It's just one of those very special days, and we just need to, I think, start the show by acknowledging all of that. Yeah, I think there's going to be an amazing uh, interview done or feature done in a few months when West Indies come to England and you're going to get a sit down with Tom Hartley and Shamar Joseph and they're going to talk through their respective introductions to Test cricket yeah. and how it compares and contrasts. I do think Tom Hartley, look, I, I, we've joked on this show before about Tom Hartley was given one of the roughest hands ever to come into Test cricket. They said, can you be Axar Patel, please, a bloke who averages nine on home soil? And it was looking like, it was looking laughable. It was looking awkward and embarrassing. I felt very uncomfortable for him in that first innings. When his first ball got hit for six, he was going at tens, elevens, twelves. It was genuine mm. worst nightmare stuff. You worried, you feared for kind of, you feared he could become a pub quiz question in 20, 30 years and people go, fucking hell, do you remember when England picked that lad Tom Hartley to go out to India and win them a five-match series? That was funny. Mm. 
and he's come come back from that match of two days ago. I can't imagine how poorly he slept on day one of this of, of this test match to claim the second best figures by an England spinner on debut. I don't know if I think that's a good stat. I think there's a bit few too many caveats in there for me. I just think the fact he's got seven for is pretty remarkable and it becomes it leans into everyone's kind of favourite stories sporting stories of kind of coming back from the depths of despair and a point where you go is this really me am I going to fit in here and then winning your map your team a match in the most extreme of conditions it's a fairy tale I mean being hit for six first ball and all that wider context that you refer to there all the history the weight of history knowing that you could become a quiz question right a friend of mine said that uh, said he, his first ball was hit for six um, in all probability his final ball will be hit for six of his only test match and that was just you know, it's easy to take the piss, but it did have that energy to it. He did struggle to contain on day two. But to bowl as well as he did today, to get those early wickets, the two closing catches from Ollie Pope, getting one to go straight on with the arm to blow the pad off of Rohit Sharma, so difficult to beat Rohit on the inside edge. And then to uh, have that composure with the caught and bold moment, and then to come back and do it again, just when India looks like, for five minutes there, that Ashwin and KS Barat were going to steer them towards victory, or at least get to day five. It was Hartley again. And at the very end as well, with Siraj and, and Boomer batting together and adding 25, one more over in the day, last over of the extra half an hour, and he does it again. Like, fairy tale is the only word that, that comes to mind, as it is with Shamar Joseph. And you're right, like, these two players side by side, all that emotion in the Australian commentary boxes from Brian Lara and Carl Hooper and Ian Bishop and it's not quite the same with England beating India. It's a different kind of yeah. dynamic with the West Indies at the moment. But yeah, it is just a it is a joyous thing. And Tom Hartley now having his place in history, Shamar Joseph having his place in history. Who would have thought that was even remotely viable 72 hours ago? It's it's stunning. Well, to, to touch on that a bit further, I think I was thinking two things today. One, both him and Rayan Ahmed played absolute gems with the bat. And the strange thing about when Tom Hartley contributed with 34 and kind of they added another 50 or 60 runs of Ollie Pope, weirdly, with every moment he was um, kind of improving his performance and improving his team's place in the team, he was probably making himself feel a bit better internally, yep. but he was also increasing the pressure on himself in the kind of holistic sense of the match because say he gets bowled second ball, oh, unlucky Tom, that, that, that happens. Oh, well, you only had 160 defence, so that, you're mm. never going to defend that. Actually, the better he plays with the bat, the more pressure he then puts himself on with the ball because he was effectively England's one of England's premier spinners with Jack Leach not able to bowl as much as he would have done. And that comes in the context of, yeah. he just did the, like, the post-match presses and we were, we were just talking to him, where he was asked, when did you find out you were going to open the bowling? And he went, oh, like, oh, Baz, Baz told me. Uh, he went, fancy the first over, mate? And he was like, ha, what? And like, it was that kind of like double take of like, oh my God, we've only got one seamer. Like someone's going to have to do it and it's going to be, now it's going to be me. I'm going to be opening the bowling in India in my first test match. He bowled in the third over of today because Mark Wood took one over. The theory that um, Steve Harmison had was that it was just a case of like trying to get a tiny bit of lacquer off just to give Hartley a, a, something a bit more to grip just to make him feel that bit more, more comfortable. And yeah, I mean, he took the first three wickets of the innings two in and over to get Jaiswal who'd given him nightmares in the first innings then Shubman Gill a couple of balls later and he said that was the moment he went oh my, like, oh my god we're in like this is happening um, a remarkable remarkable 24 48 96 hours for Tom Hartley I, I also think credit to Ben Stokes 
in all of this, like having the faith to back Hartley in. I go back to day one, the way that Stokes was cheering Hartley on with every time he hit the ball, I think it was a brisk 24 from 24 balls or whatever it was, trying to show faith in him. The conventional thing to, to have done on afternoon one when Hartley was copping tap would have been to have, you know, get the boy off. Get him out of the attack, we'll come back tomorrow and and, 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 we'll, and we'll try again. You know, we'll let him sleep through his nerves and, and, and see whether he can recover and be better for the run, you know. You see that, that's what happens with young spinners. But instead, Stokes bowled him for nine overs on that first nine. He bowled more overs than anybody. And, and I know he went for plenty. I know it wasn't pretty, um, but it's just the fact that he knew he had the captain's backing. And similarly today, with the way he batted, you know, there'll continue to be this dynamic, I think, where England have a poor day at the office. And I put this on social media yesterday. Like, oh, baseball, it's just a, it, it's a lie. It doesn't exist. It's not real. It's confected. Saw some absolute gibber on social media a couple of days to this effect as well. The way that Stokes leads this side is the reason why they get 240 on afternoon one, and it becomes a first innings versus fourth innings game. You know, the second and third effectively cancel each other out. England of three years ago are getting bowled out for 140, not 240. Yeah. And Hartley is part of that with the bat on day one, the faith shown in him. And you can look at Stokes' record as captain now, by the way. He's led England in 20 test matches, and they've won 14 yeah. of them. That is a very impressive body of work. If he didn't captain another test match, he would go down as a... And, and 14 of the 19 have been since he was full-time because the first one yeah. was when he was the acting captain down at Southampton during the pandemic when Joe Root um, had a baby, or Joe Root's wife had a baby. So that, in a way, doesn't really count to the sample size since he took on the job alongside Brendan McCullum. And a lot of them have been close. They're so bloody watchable, Cam. I mean, you go through it. In the last 14 months, they've had test matches you would define as a close finish in Rolpindi, in Multan, in Wellington... Edgbaston, Lords, Leeds, the Oval, and now today. They've won all of them, but they they have this inbuilt belief that they can take it deep and most of the time they come out on top and that is a major part of the the Ben Stokes leadership story, I think. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about those three, in particular, um, Raul Pindi, uh, Wellington, and then today, I was lucky enough to have been at all three of those, and that was a bit of a pinch me moment today, just being sat out, out on the press box, kind of looking over the match, going like, yeah, like it doesn't really get much better than this. And... but. Uh, I want to yeah. lean into that further, but but doing so in this isn't a criticism of of, of baseball, but it's something that I th- find a shame or just a bit sad is because the whole thing is like let's enjoy all of it, let's enjoy what it's like to be an England cricketer, let's not get too kind of wound up and like obsessed with results. Yes, it releases that pressure and it allows people to play this free spirited cricket, but it means on the flip side, Stokes was so calm and cool and just level in the, in the in the talks afterwards he was like we don't want to get too high on this we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves it's a long series mm. we know what we want to achieve like i'm so proud blah 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 but let's not let's not go overboard with it and i wanted to be there i was like no go go mental lose yourself this is the most incredible thing you're going to look back on this in 40 years time <laughs> and it's going to be one of your the kind of standout achievements of your cricketing career and just kind of a, such a happy personal memory as well he did say it in terms of his captaincy um that it was the best one he ranked as the highest but I just kind of I, yep. I, I hate I hate when I hear teams cast off losing as learning because I think oh god like, let it hurt a little bit and I also hate on the flip side which you have to have if you're going to take you have you can't say losing is learning if you're going to say you can't get too high or too low you can't also get too high as well as too mm. low but then in that moment when you see these guys who've just had done something that, you, that people across the world dream of doing going We'll, we'll, put our, we'll put our trousers on tomorrow, one socket at a time, all this stuff. I'm like, oh, mate, like, 
just enjoy it. Like, please enjoy it. It's the most amazing thing you've just experienced and achieved. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of going back to what you said on evening one, that everything needed to go right for England to yeah. win the Test match. And they've had two days where, broadly speaking, everything has. Well, not two full days, because, of course, they, they, they did have a, a mini-collapse on, on day three. And, uh, and you know, India did get close today after, at one stage, they were reduced to it was 60, uh, 95 for four when Akshay yep. was caught and bowled. So that's when it felt like it was game on, right? So there's the two Pope catchers always in the game, under the lid, brilliant work they're getting uh, Jaiswal and Gill the two young Tyros who you, you know they get away if they're not for 80 like they were on night one that scoreboard pressure wouldn't have quite been there and it did have that direction of travel with Jaiswal batting with Rohit but on 42 uh, they saw that off two wickets bang bang yeah. and then as I mentioned before the Rohit leg before when they were on 63 Akshar promoted up the order change of order to see what they could do um, at court and bold with the scores on 95 and then there's the Stokes moment um, oh. you know, we already mentioned this captaincy, but Cam, um, you know, the, the little underarm, backhander, indoor cricket style, uh, Stokes on one leg in the same way that Jack Leach is on one leg, in the same way that Shamar Joseph's on one foot uh, bowling today when he didn't expect to be able to bowl. Um, again, this, this is about uh, willing, willing oneself to peak performance and Stokes being able to do it at that exact moment to Jadeja who is the definition of a match yes. winner in a situation like that. It was incredible and if you watch it back in live time I went has he thrown that left handed because he's backhanded it at, at the kind of stumps and he's at mid on to Jadeja and the way he's running I'm like that he has to have picked that up dived and then backhanded it with his left hand that's the only way that angle works and actually he ran around kind of put, caught the ball or fielded the ball whilst he was almost face on then his legs swung, swung around the other way, and so he backhanded it with his right hand, so his legs were facing the direction he'd already come in. It was the most remarkable piece of athleticism, skill, mm. just kind of magic. And also the idea that, because no, no one was thinking there was a run out on, they went, oh, that could be a bit tight, but uh, whatever, He's have, his feet are facing the wrong way. And then everyone started celebrating. There's this amazing moment where you see on the TV, Zoom afterwards, Stokes either says, that's out or he goes is that out and you've got all his mates running towards him going like, it's fucking out it's, like, it's, it's out yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. it's Ducker who goes up to him and says yeah Ducker goes up and goes Ben it's out and then he's like oh right it's out like you needed to have that reinforcement from a colleague kind of thing I and like it that. was really like that was the moment where you realised England were completely in the ascendancy but to go back to the moments where you talk about mm. Axar being promoted and in particular there were two moments where I went oh England have a chance here and it was when Rohit Sharma started reverse sweeping. And I went, oh, he's going away from his conventional plan. I was in the TalkSport box at the time and Kevin Peterson was on commentary. And he went, whoa, whoa. like I've watched Rohit Sharma bat for close to a decade. This lad doesn't reverse sweep. He's changing his plans here. That's one an acknowledgement of that they're, they're having to adapt to what England are presenting them. And two was when Axel Patel came out of five. It is something he's done before away to Bangladesh a couple of years ago in a match that was won by three wickets and Ravi Ashwin down at number nine got them over the line so there was a lot of, there was Ashwin. a lot of like mirrors happening yeah. here but that was the first point where I realised that India were kind of bending the knee a bit to Eng England's game plan because until that point they'd ru ruled the roost it was kind of a case of we don't need to adjust for you because we're better than you and at that point where they had to change their plans bring up bring Axar up the order that's when I realised for the first time India realised that they were in a match as opposed to England trying to snatch this remarkable victory. And I thought the other part that looked a bit skittish was when KL Rahul used the review. So a word for yep. Root getting KL with one that one that 
move prodigiously off the surface. And, and Jack Leach playing his role. I know he's got that knee that's the size of a football at the moment. But Shreyas Iyer, who was just building a little bit, you know, he's running between the wickets, was looking good. And you're thinking, you know, Shreyas Iyer can be the kind of guy if he bats for an hour and a half, can take a game away from you. But um, getting that one to spin sharply and pouched by Root, that slipped. So the other two spinners having a say, in addition to Hartley, I thought that was, I don't want to, I, I do think it's worth acknowledging that India... Um, did some strange things, especially towards the end. It did feel like things were, were turning when um, K.S. Barat was batting with Ashwin. Now, bear in mind, the ball to get um, K.S. Barat's an absolute beauty and hit the top of off from Hartley, not, not diminishing that piece of bowling at all. But when they came together, they needed 112 runs. And, and then Ashwin, as soon as he loses his partner, he goes for a dance and a swing. Yeah. And they're not far from that point where we're hitting the 30-minute threshold. And then in the final over when Siraj was batting quite nicely, 12 from 20, with Bumrah. They were both playing their role. They were, as, you know, obviously 28 runs from victory for it was the last wicket. Overnight does funny things to fielding teams when they need one wicket to win, or indeed when a fielding side just needs to go a little bit harder the next morning. It would have felt like England were the ones under the pump rocking up tomorrow. Um, Alex Bowden, uh, excellent cricket writer on the games, written beautifully about overnight before and how it does funny things to people. If they get to stumps, five more balls, we're having a very different conversation right now. So I thought that was that was poor from Siraj, yeah. and you can't judge him on his batting because obviously he's not there to do that. But it wasn't great cricket sense from Ashwin, who's a genius. I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, and later, um, Siraj, when there was just one over to see out, and they would have gotten through and had hope tomorrow. But Yeah, yeah I mean, we'd have been having a very underwhelming conversation of going, oh, blimey, like, it, it's still so much has happened and yet we don't know the end it's like it'd be kind of left on a cliffhanger for next Sunday yeah. line of duty and find out the next episode's five minutes long you're like oh okay well, right, we'll find out what happens but um, I thought Ashwin and Barat were, was a bit strange and they just hit the brakes they were going about one and a half and over and the only reason I think that is strange yeah. is because the more time you're dealing in two currencies you're dealing in, dealing in runs you're dealing in time and the more time that India put into that wicket the harder their runs were going to be to get and so it was kind of like, guys, if, actually, if you want to score these runs, you need to keep the tempo up a little bit. There's a little bit of a one-day sense to it in terms of you need to look after your run rate because otherwise mm. you're going to find, find yourself batting on a wicket that's 60 overs older and more difficult. I think Ashwin was a bit of a, maybe he, at that point he thought, I need to take initiative. Say, say he clears the ropes and goes to six. It's, cool, what a great counter-attacking batting by, by Ravichandran Ashwin. And you go, oh, brilliant. And it, and it did look odd. I think I agree with you there. But I imagine he was thinking, being quite calculated about it, thinking this is actually the prime time to attack when they think they're just about to... Maybe I'm being generous there. I'm not too sure. Uh, and Siraj... Well, I, that, that, that is genuinely my reaction to it. It was just a case of, all right. Look, he's an 11. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah he, he's, he's an 11 and that's fine. It's more the fact that he actually looked okay. Yeah. He looked okay and they were negotiating the risks pretty well and they were sucking a little bit of life out of the For game sure. again they added 25 of the 54 they needed when they when they came together so you know marginal gains in a, in a closely fought match like this uh, often are looking at the, the smaller things I suppose in, in the wider picture but yeah the um, yeah Hartley getting uh, his Pfeiffer with that ball that picked up Barat so oh. you know, that, that's one that'll be replayed for a long time one that spun square you know what we'd be, we'd be saying if, um, if this had gone to day five we'd be talking about before your before before both of us were born, 1982, at the MCG with Border and Thompson on the final day, and leading 37 to win and 30,000 people showing up to the MCG, it would have been crazy had they needed like 25 and coming back tomorrow. So we, I feel like we've been 
robbed of that yeah. on one hand, but on the other hand, I mean, you can't quibble on a day like today, which gave us so much. I reckon I wouldn't have been talking about that, to be honest. I think that you've just informed me about that for the first time in my life. So I, I'll, I'll take that on with me for the, for the next episode, for the next episode. <laughs> It's 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 worth it's worth taking a look when you when you go home back to your hotel room tonight. Look up the um, the highlights of the Ashes Test of '82 at Melbourne. It's a it's, it's a classic of the genre. Three a three run win for England with uh, with both of them at the end. Um, what else? What what have we missed here? We, we, I don't think we've missed much. Truth be told, can we just go back to England's batting today? By yeah. the way, because when we finished last night, it was kind of like the only way that England can put themselves in a position to put any scoreboard pressure on is if they bat for like pretty much a session and yeah. they broadly speaking, did it. I mean, they added 104, and the majority of them weren't scored by Pope. Pope scores 48 of the 104. It is Hartley, it is Ryan Ahmed, who play more aggressively, um, Pope down the other end. Um, and as I said before, it meant that they offset India's huge first innings, and it became one of those first innings, fourth innings matches. And often it's in the advantage of the side that batted first because the wicket's deteriorating and so forth. Pope, Ryan Ahmed, and Tom Hartley, between them, those two partnerships added 144. An incredibly like influential number of runs, and truth be yeah. told, I like wasn't paying attention for the first half hour, forty five minutes. I went, this is just a bit of a sim game moment. Like the three wickets will fall, England will get like maybe forty, okay, and then it will like then we'll, then then the match starts. Then it's a one day, there's a chase, and that's when we're gonna start paying attention. And you're kind of watching, you're going, they're still going, and you're like, they're still going at a good rate, and then Ahmed got out. And we're like, okay, so may- maybe now it's like now it's going to happen where the wickets tumble, and then India will have a bat. And then Ar- um, Hartley started kind of bopping the spinners back over their heads. You're thinking, blimey, like this is this has gone from like England having a chance to England being in a game to England being ahead to maybe should England win? And it just crept up on you, especially when yeah. the actual three wickets did fall. They fell for one run at the end. And I, I was going to save this for the Hall of Fame, but I've got a second one, so I'll do it anyway. Ollie Pope on 196 going to reverse ramp Jasper Brimra <laughs> to get to 200 was phenomenal it was so good and he had the best reason ever for doing it he went I just thought it'd be quite cool it'd be quite cool mm. to get to 200 with reverse ramp wouldn't it and he went oh bowl me a slower ball like bastard it's the worst the last ball I wanted basically and he just said he, he gave the professional excuse of like Jack Leach was struggling with his knee so I knew I needed to get a hurry on basically but I thought it and I actually think it makes the innings cooler I think it makes it better that you've got 196 it's like if you're warming up in football it's actually more cool to hit the woodwork than score a goal it's more exciting there's more noise um, but he's, he's been hard done by he was on 195 with three wickets in hand and he's, he's left without getting a double hundred but no one, yeah. of, one of the great innings one of the great kind of turnaround batting innings and yeah it, it was so important because had it been 20, 30, 40 runs fewer to say the most obvious thing in the world, had England got fewer runs, it would have been better for India. Mm, quite. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think we're going to see many players out um, reverse ramping on 196 into the future, so it is worth acknowledging on the way through to the final word, Hall of Fame. Final word, Hall of Fame is brought to you by Westfield London and Westfield Stratford City. Cam, I can see on my screen here, I've not read the, um, I've not read the copy before we've recorded, the subheading is Bluey and Hey Dougie, and you having spent a bit of time around my place during the World Cup, uh, you know what a big part of my life Bluey is because of my daughters, or my eldest especially. So let's see how we go here. It's not just the final word with stories they can tell you this week. Very good, Sheehan. Because it is National Storytelling Week here in the UK. Oh, that's lovely. And to celebrate this momentous occasion, Westfield London and Westfield Stratford City are welcoming Bluey from Bluey and Dougie from Hey Dougie to the centre next weekend. That's very, 
important wow. information. Uh, between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. next weekend, come down and meet cricketing superstar Rusty's little blue mate on Friday and Saturday at Westfield London and Westfield Stratford City, where you can collect an exclusive Hey Dougie Westfield badge from the dog himself on Friday and Saturday at Stratford and on Sunday at London. The experience is free, so you can take your own photos and capture the moment. That is brilliant. I'm absolutely going to take Winnie to meet Louis next week at Westfield, Stratford City or Westfield, London. What a joy. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm very excited for you. This is the equivalent of getting her photo on. It, it, it's probably more of a big deal for her than meeting Father Christmas. We went to Euro Disney um, on Monday when we were in Paris still, and um, she got to meet uh, Princess Jasmine from Aladdin. So, That's a big day. Um, Princess Jasmine last week and Bluey next week. She'll be thrilled with that. Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City, more extra, less ordinary. Um, okay, so we are spoilt for choice for nominations today. Um, I just quite liked at the end, the 10th wicket partnership, how many balls um, hit the stumps and required referral upstairs. So there was, um, uh, the, well, there would have been a spirit of cricket meltdown had Ben Folks, when Ooh. attempting to stump Boomerah, who had looked away and had his feet in the air, jumping, to, basically jumping in frustration at having not made contact with the sweep. Had that been the end of the test match, I know spirit of cricket's a funny old thing and the way it gets thrown around. I, I, I like to believe the criticism would have been leveled where it should have been with Boomerah. Um, but I'm sure there would have been um, some loud voices saying that folks had done the wrong thing or, or something like that. But yeah, then would next ball, or sorry, first ball when he bowled the next over, um, lovely strike with the left boot into the middle stump. Then the next delivery down the non-striker's end, he flicked it onto the stumps as well. So um, there was a lot of action towards the end. Yeah, it was uh, my Hall of Fames. I've got two. One actually probably should have been earlier in the show. I loved that Stokes brought Ryan Ahmed back when it was like one wicket to win. I think he bowled, Ahmed bowled one over in the first 53 overs of the innings or something like that. And he just wasn't playing. And just the opportunity to create heroes was taking the case of like, you can take the winning wicket within this test match. And in mm. terms of a strategy point of view, my actual highlight of the day and pilot of the test match actually is for the last hour of play, I have to go over to the TalkSport box. So I've got to do some bits and bobs with them. And I get to sit outside looking over the ground and more often than not joined by, joined joined by a uh, joined would be very different uh, joined by Steve Harmison and he is in constant communication with the England players in particular Mark Woods and being there they're very very good at sign language and I was getting the inside scoop of when Mud was bowling to Ashwin Wood was asking do I bump him again and Harmison was like it was like the Homer Simpson Monty Burns kind of if I touch my cap thrice this is this and uh, Harmison was in agreement with him that he wasn't to bowl another bouncer he's sitting he's waiting for the bouncer so make sure you hit the stumps nice full length Yorkers on top of the stumps and there was another moment where Bairstow said like signalled something up to him I think Joe Root was bowling and I, I I feel like I'm familiar with cricket kind of shapes I was like I was like what what's he just said about Root there and he was like he's just said laughing because he finally turned one and I was like, it's been, it's been ragging it, hasn't it? Like, so there we go. Maybe that wasn't true, but I enjoyed I enjoyed that greatly. My, I think that's okay. Like the days of Bob Warmer and Hansi Cronier with the um, the walkie-talkie in the 99 World Cup. Yeah. Just Steve Harmison's body language. And Absolutely. Set. There you go. Um, I, li I like Joe Root's wicket celebration. I have no idea what he was doing with his arms when he was carrying on as your lights go out. That's Back quite on. Funny. The lights going out as we're ending the podcast. But, um, but Root, um, whatever Root was doing, it was uh, entertaining. Um, you mentioned uh, Ryan Arbed not having a major part in the game. Jimmy Anderson got himself involved on the final day. Imagine being used as a subfielder at age 41, but I suppose they wanted his experience out there, out there on the park. 
and my last nomination is that there was a graphic that flashed up on the television screen which read out went through the best figures for a debutante in India I think that was the categorization and Tom Hartley I'm sure when he was a little boy growing up in Lancashire he would have said to his parents and said to the people who were coaching him one day I want to be on a list with Jason Crazier and now um, by virtue of the fact that he's taken a seven wicket bag he's on a list uh, with the man they call Subway so um, well, well done, done Tom Hartley uh, and um, nice to shoehorn uh, Jason Crazier into the podcast before we finish up lovely the only thing I want to shoehorn I just want the listeners to understand I almost died recording this episode behind me is one of the largest drops I've <laughs> ever seen the wall is about three feet. It comes up just above my knee, and I was propped up next to it. And then I, just before we hit record, actually after we hit record, um, I realised had I stumbled, it would have been a live recording of a final word death. Which would, it would have been the final word. To be fair, that would have actually been quite fitting. Had I gone Blimey. recording the final word, I think that's. A good point. <laughs> would we? <laughs> would we still have published? Would have we gone? Look, he's, he's, he's said some really insightful things earlier in the I show. Would, so I, we'll put it, I, I would know, enjoy not, for the, for this, not consider as that. social media manager of, of this organisation. I would have insisted. I insist in the future that if I happen to die whilst we're recording, you do publish it, <laughs> and you have it on record now. Let's hope there's never any posthumous <laughs> recordings required of you, and you, you live a long life. Oh, thanks. Um, right, Cam. Uh, it's been a long podcast. Uh, it's deservedly been a long podcast, as we said off the front of the show. It's been a very special day for Test cricket, just when Test cricket needed it. Um, Adam Collins and Cam Ponsonby will be back with you next week. When are you off to Vizag? I'm off to Vizag. Day after tomorrow, I'm now uh, going to message every single newspaper asking if they want some quotes for tomorrow. And that'll be me for the next 12 hours. <laughs> Bring your surfboard. I gather that's um, a yeah, big part exciting. of the, the culture over there. All right. Um, second test starts on Friday. We'll be back with a preview show on Thursday. Between times, Jeff and I have a story time in the can, ready to roll a revisit special so it's quite a big episode of Storytime. We've got a weekly show in there. Cam, you and I will probably chat again and do a bit of a wash-up uh, once we Can't hear wait. from the various different um, actors who were involved in today's epic. Uh, and that's it for Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City. More extra, less ordinary. This has been an extraordinary test match. That'd be the same we've been doing for centuries. Sorry if I ran out to empty, wrote this so you know what I meant here. I had to go.